when you create a group of super rich uh, that earns 300 times or 500 times the average income of people, that is uh, a level of inequality that is not good for any society. Hello, I'm Jocelyn Frank, and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. Columbia University professor Jose Antonio Ocampo believes that inequality, specifically income inequality, is not only a human rights issue, but it actually poses a threat to global economic stability. Research about income disparity yields a lot of striking data. Earlier this year, Oxfam reported that the richest 85 people, just 85 across the entire globe, hold as much combined wealth as the poorest 3.5 million people. Numbers like that suggest that global economic influence could certainly be much more widely distributed than it is today. Ocampo was a featured panelist at the IMF World Bank's annual fall meetings, and he both praised and pressed the economists in the room to continue to pay attention to income disparity. When I spoke with Ocampo, he compared income inequality to a disease. This is a pandemic. Uh, it's a you know, very broad-based disease that has affected large parts of the world particularly large parts of the population of the world. I have estimated based on the data from the United Nations University that around 86% of the people of the world live in countries where income inequality has worsened. Why is income inequality such a troubling thing for economies around the world? There could be an argument that stratification in society diversifies the labor force. You know, I don't want to be a garbage collector. It's okay if that person wants to be one. It's not a stratification that is good. Uh, what is good is a specialization. The father of uh, economics, Adam Smith, his uh, book, The Wealth of Nations, starts with a chapter on a specialization as the basis of, of improvements in productivity. Yeah, because, uh, you know, you work on uh, as a journalist, you may not be very well doing, uh, you know, another business, and and I'll be a disaster as a journalist. So I, I think we're better, you know, you know, specialize each, each other in uh, in our tasks. You know, segmentation in consciousness of that is bad for societies because it divides societies. You know, specialization doesn't divide societies. When you create a group of super rich, one person per thousand, let's say, or even less that earns, you know, 300 times or 500 times where, you know, the average income of people, that is uh, a level of inequality that is not good for society. And it's not good for society for several reasons. These are the people who finance people in politics. Therefore, the people in politics don't represent the average citizen, but rather the super rich, you know, in, in that particular case. It's also a bad because it destroys the social cohesion, you know. I, I live, you know, since I was young in a society which is highly unequal. I mean, when I came, for example, to study in the United States, one of the good things was to see that people in different classes uh, saw each other as equals at the end, you know. You didn't mistreat the poor. Actually, as the U.S. has become a more unequal society, some of those bad practices from my country and my region of the world 
uh, has started to capture the U.S. So it destroys uh, the essence of uh, of society, which is what people call the social covenant agreement in society about how to proceed as a community, because after all, we are a community. And in economic terms, it's bad for many reasons. One reason is because many people cannot contribute to society because they haven't had the uh, education or training or don't have the capital if they're small entrepreneurs, so they cannot contribute as much as as they can. And very importantly, you know, in societies where consumption is a very important source of demand, the uh, inequality actually uh, generates a stagnation of consumption. I mean, you don't have the engine of demand uh, that motivates, which was the basis for growth. This uh, rise of the middle class, uh, prosperity of the middle class, uh, in the same the three, four decades after the Second World War that led to this very impressive growth of the uh, world economy. And now we may be in a different phase because exactly uh, of rising uh, inequalities. Where in the world are, do you draw your examples, your inspiration, when, when you're envisioning the types of policy that really do help shrink income inequality? Uh, there are many cases, actually. Um, one example that works is education here is basically financed by the taxes that you pay on your homes. Uh, a larger home that pays more into the municipality, but then the school is financed for everyone it's, uh, and it's free. In other developed countries, what you have is uh, basically a tax system that you have higher income taxes for the rich than for the poor, or no taxes for the poor, they say, in terms of income, taxes on capital gains, and all those funds go into, into a budget that finances education, finances health, other services for the poor. What kind of advice would you give to developing nations with emerging markets to encourage them, to give them confidence that it's worth trying to tax their public at a higher level than they have before, or worth taking on the kind of debt necessary to establish new kinds of social programs that offer that kind of security to the citizens? Human development, as it is called by the United Nations, is actually a good investment because more educated population, a healthier population, can actually uh, contribute to the growth of the economies. I mean, economics actually captured that through the concept of human capital, which is the capacities for production, let's say, is something that uh, you know, in economics is widely understood as being you know, highly productive. What do you wish that you were hearing people say about income inequality that hasn't quite made it into the public discourse? Well, it's, it's amazing that this issue was out of the discourse until very recently. It's only now, maybe in the last year, last two years, that it has really been brought into the mainstream of the debate. And I think because of the rising inequalities that the world has observed, people started to be concerned that maybe, maybe this is not the way to go. Even in the United States, the fact that most of the uh, rising income during the recovery has been for the upper 1% of the population uh, is an amazing you know, disappointment. Uh, so I think the, the realization that there is something fundamentally wrong about this trend is uh, what has brought the issue back in the debate.
That was Columbia University professor Jose Antonio Ocampo discussing the seriousness of income inequality to the global economy. To hear additional podcasts like this one, please visit soundcloud.com forward slash IMF dash podcasts. Thank you.